1: One says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. But the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. God, I thank you that you are a dad that sees your children, that protects us that defends us, that helps us, that wants to be present in our everyday lives, that wants to be present in the ups and the downs of life. I thank you that we can trust that you are faithful to be present. I thank you that you are sovereign and we can trust that you and your character never change that you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are the creator of us and you have chosen to step into our lives. And how humbling that is. I ask that this morning that we would praise your name, that we would have our faith encouraged, and strengthened by worshiping and exalting your name with other believers. May your presence come and fill this place. May heaven touch earth and may we come into your courts with praise on our lips. May you be glorified this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: If you will, grab the hand of someone next to you. Make sure you're not not holding a hand, please. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to take a deep breath in and breathe out. And with every breath in, you are breathing in the life of God. God. And with every breath out, you are breathing out worry and fear and sadness and anger and selfishness. And just imagine that it's draining from your body, from the top of your head to your feet. And now in your mind's eye, I want you to imagine the most beautiful scenery you have ever laid eyes on. What do you see? What do you smell? What do you feel on your skin? What can you touch? And then, you invite into that scene, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What do you feel as they enter? What do you do with them? This is Shalom. Where heaven meets earth, where there is perfect union in creation and in community with both each other and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is a place of peace. This is a place of love. This is a place of forgiveness and redemption and restoration and joy and life. And the Father offers it to you right here, right now, in this moment made possible by Jesus. And the Holy Spirit allows you to feel it, to sense it, to connect with it. And so this is the Father's gift to you, Shalom. And so Father, may our hands be open, to receive the gift that you intended from the creation of the world. You intended us to live and thrive in shalom, that we would live with purpose, that we would live with calling and with destiny, that we would live in communion with God and each other. And this is what every day you are redeeming in and through the body. And so as we receive shalom this morning, may we prophesy in the streets and in our homes and in our community and our family that there is a better life, that there is shalom even now and even coming. And we thank you that all is possible with God, that where there is no hope in this world, there is hope in you, that there's always an open door, that there's always more for our hands to be filled with and our heart to be filled with. We thank you for the possibility we have in Christ Jesus. Oh God, we're grateful for each other, for this community, For this city, may us live intentionally and missionally to give out what you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: All right. How's everybody doing? Am I good? <clears throat> Did anybody in here forget to change their clocks and just wake up on time in any way? No, everybody? Who changed your clock last night? This guy. Who just lets it happen through their phone and trusts the crazy people who do that? All right. All right, we're gonna move forward. It's getting uh, it's getting hairier in the day, so we would transition I'll keep you guys here till one. Um, Worship was awesome. Everything's been awesome, mm-hmm. just good. Um, love this body. Love getting to share Sundays with you guys. It's really fun for us. I want to pray real quick. Father, um, we thank you for the presence that you offered us and that you still offer us continually. We thank you for the salvation that you offered us and that you offer continually. We thank you that we are being saved every day. Each morning when we wake up, is a chance for new salvation. We thank you that you approach us with just knowing the language we speak and how we receive. You know those things, God. So I pray today as we share more in the book of Mark, that you would just be very present and very here with us, and that you would just overwhelm us with your peace and joy. And uh, we thank you for every good gift that is from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so, so we've been, just for a couple of weeks, we've been talking through the book of Mark. We felt like we wanted to focus in on Jesus and put all of the attention back on him. Not that it wasn't, but we really feel like in this, this kind of emphasis, we wanted Jesus to be revealed to you in ways that he hasn't, and how he continually needs to be being revealed. We even talked about how this is the only content in the Bible where there are four books written. Same content, different perspective. If it was just one thing to understand, it would be one book, and you'd read it, and you'd have the facts, but there's elements of Jesus that, as you interact with him, you learn about him, that you see in him. And so we have four people in the Bible, and then Last week was the first, or two weeks ago was the first part, we talked about how Jesus is, understands it's his time, goes to be baptized, receives his identity and approval, um, and then he's sent directly into the desert to be tempted, just crazy stuff. And, and, and Mark particularly says that he goes and he's with the wild beasts in the desert, which uh, to me I loved that, that as we get away from society and civilization we as well can relate to that. As we step away from the busyness and the craziness and the moving and the things, we kind of face our own wild beasts. And in the presence of Jesus or in the presence of our Father, that's the place where he knows how to either tame them or show us how to harness them and somehow make peace between them. And I know for me, I related to that because Jesus is the only one I've ever felt really comfortable giving my wild beasts over to. when I learned to not hide them and just be like, this is the real me, and yeah. it's going to be you dealing with them and showing me what about it. So he did that in this passage that we spoke from two weeks ago. Now today, this is when Jesus's ministry begins. I don't want to emphasize that to say this is the most important part of his life. I don't think there's wasted time, specifically with Jesus or with you. I don't think there are moments that's wasted time. I think when he was growing up, the part that we didn't read was really important. I think when he goes to meet John the Baptist, incredibly important. I think when he goes in the desert, important. I think later on in this passage, as we get the, the weeks to come and you start to see the crazy stuff that happens, the, the, the demonic things that happen, the, the things that he calls out of people, there's no hiding. If you struggle with believing the supernatural, the book of Mark is going to mess you up because just about every third sentence, something crazy is happening. Something ridiculous is happening, and Jesus is right in the midst of it. And so, um, so in this passage today, it's his, it's his call into ministry. and It's the point in the story where it goes from knowledge about Jesus to Jesus is here. It's a transition piece. So you've been hearing these things about this Messiah that would come, and, and everybody now has to go from hearing about it to Jesus is present. And so close your eyes really quickly. I want to pray with you that you would be aware in your story where you are with that as we start. Are you still in a spot where there is a knowledge of Jesus and maybe he's coming into your life one day or is it just content in your brain or are you in a spot now where you are physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally present with Jesus? Have you moved past that? Where are you in this gospel? Are you still waiting for Messiah? Do You know he's good. And so Father, I just pray that you would highlight in us where we are in the story. Where we are in this story. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to read to you Mark 1, 14 through 20, and you guys can follow up here. I'm going to read it here. If it's a little different, that's okay. Interesting first line. Now, after John was arrested, right off the bat, someone's arrested and put in prison for sharing Jesus. Right off the bat. Jesus came into Galilee. Interesting to know, this is where he left to go to the desert. Jesus leaves Galilee to go to the desert to meet John and then to be sent deeper into the desert, now he comes back to the same place he was, why wouldn't he have just started before, right? Like, how many of us have started, like, at the wrong time in the right spot? I mean, he probably needed to hear his father say, this is my son, and, you know, he probably, he probably needed the desert, right? Like, we don't hear a lot about those things, Right? There's too many of me and you out there without identity, without testing, just ready to be nabbed because we haven't been willing to put in what Jesus put in. It's so good. You can be in the exact right place at the exact wrong time. You can do the exact right thing at the exact wrong time in your life. It wouldn't have had an impact the way it would have. And I know Jesus is perfect, and yes, it would have, Josh. Well, then why did he do it this way? Just for kicks and giggles? No. He wanted to show us some things about hearing the voice of the Father, knowing when, and knowing where. You can be in the right place at the wrong time. That's crazy. You can start in the wrong way. I don't want to freak you out or make you feel bad if you've already started, but there's <laughs> you need to you need to make sure like the the right things are in order before you start ministry, right? Like you start the thing, you know, like, you start the thing you're jumping into. So in this passage, I didn't even get, I read like two verses. That's what I do. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, and this actually means chronos and kairos, okay? All time, not just the time. And, king, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Believe in the gospel. Everybody say, repent! repent. <laughs> That's awesome. That was scary. Was that Justin? All right, I'm going to repent. So. so this word, typically for most of us, is not our favorite word, okay? Let's just get it out there, right? It's like, ooh, let's talk about repentance today. Um, so just a couple things about this word. Um, it's th- it, it actually means, it's said metatoneo, and it means an actual change of heart. So I've, I've heard so many sermons on this, about it means a 360 or 180. 360 is the same way. <laughs> wait. I've actually done that, though. That's what's funny. I'm I'm changing, God. I'm so done with this. (laughs) So this. So I've heard that like 180, the 180 talk, like repentance. That's like a big part of Christianity, right? But it's not the end thereof. So it's it's not that we repent. That the that's not the that's not the the yes. That's like a another bridge to the yes. So the repentance is for. The realignment. We were talking, I was talking with Jordan. Repentance also means to be realigned, right? And to me, it's this idea that there's originally this home that we see with Adam and Eve. They're in the presence of God, walking fully naked in the garden, and everything's good. So something's already off, or it's really right, right? It was really right, and then all of a sudden it gets chaotic and crazy, and everything's offline. Everything's out of alignment, and then Jesus comes on the scene to bring repentance, right? That that word scares us, but it's a good thing. Repentance is a good thing, right? Like, being able to share where you know you're broken so that he can provide what needs to happen. We don't need to run from that. We don't need to run from our failures and mistakes. And I'll even say, if you can't label in your life where you are flawed, it's hard to, to walk into wholeness. It's hard. I have this picture of the kingdom being our original home. That was a good place where people can walk around naked and no one cares. That's a good thing. And I have this picture of the kingdom where we're going where that kind of same thing is just a better home. It's a, and I feel like in the midst or in this middle part, there's this longing for that. With Jesus, the kingdom is now at hand. Please don't come to church naked. That's not what I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> that would not be a good thing because it's already not yet. There's no, There's no yet nakedness right? But there is this idea that Jesus comes with this new home. And when he starts to preach and teach, he preaches on repentance, not because he needs you to stop, but he needs you to understand what he's bringing. He's bringing you a new home, a better home that people will drop their nets and leave their families for, not out of hate for self or out of judgment, but out of a bigger yes that's like, why would I not choose that? This is so much better. and they left their father's ebony in the boat with higher servants and followed him. So this is the only gospel that doesn't give any story to this. The other gospels talk a little bit more about how these, these disciples had actually been following Jesus around. Like earlier, they had been following him around, like watching what he was doing. And so it's not just like, hey, you come. They had already sized him up, seen him, understood what he was about. They had already kind of accepted that he was a, he was a rabbi and... So in this moment, they're not just getting up on a whim. They're, they're wanting what, he had, what they had seen him doing. They're wanting to be a part of this. And so they get up and leave everything. And so one of the things about this gospel that you're going to notice if you, if you jump into it, everything Jesus touches changes. And there's not like a good person or good version of a person that doesn't change. Even those people come with questions. Their questions are changed. There's no person Jesus ever walked up to and said, perfect. Just do, do everything you're doing. There's not. Even, even the smartest were had to have this moment when the real Jesus entered the scene where something was going to change. And I think in this passage, the two things today that I really feel like I want you to interact with just because I feel like Jesus wants to come fully into your life, in our life. There's two different views here of how Jesus is received. The first is is to arrest anything connected to him. And so something had already been building and already settled. The systems and structures politically were in place. The religious structures were in place. And they had a system that when Jesus came into that or was introduced to it, their immediate reaction was to protect or alleviate. To arrest something, there's gotta be some kind of a better understanding of this, but to arrest something is to completely take it and remove it, right? Like, to arrest this is to remove it from having any influence anymore. So you see right off the bat, this structure starts to come and play a role. And the response to Jesus in the society with different characters throughout this gospel, they're all going to be a part of maybe this structure or this system that's been built, are going to do their best to keep Jesus from entering and doing what he wants to do. So that's one view. And I mean, I think it's easy for us to look now back and say, well, those guys are stupid. Why would they do that? And it's easy to be like, to demonize them, like, yeah, I mean, it's Jesus, like, you're stupid. It's Jesus. Why wouldn't you just let him come and do Jesus stuff, right? Because it challenged everything about what was in their life. And everything that they had worked their lives to set up was now, because of Jesus, going to be restructured. So I'm going to be honest with you, we probably relate more closely to the people arresting Jesus here than the people following Jesus. And I can easily put myself in the positions where I have decided the messenger that God has sent me, the John the Baptist or the Holy Spirit in my life, that I'll arrest that. Okay, I heard you, but that is going to take too much for me to say yes to. I will put you over here. So when we start to look at these passages, I just hope we can look at it real honestly, because it's easy to say we follow Jesus Because we all have a t-shirt and go to a cool church if it's not this one. We all understand the gospel, and Jesus is the good, and the enemy is the bad, and we all are team Jesus. But, like, the moments where real team Jesus surfaces is when real Jesus is in your life. And he says things like, come and follow me today. Today. I understand that you have a family. This is where it gets crazy with Jesus, guys. I understand that you have a good job, but I am now in front of you saying, I have a better way. And then we have the choice to arrest that, put it over here, or do like the crazy other people in this passage do to respond and drop their nets and follow. See, these people have a job. They had not gone on a campaign To figure out how to seek Jesus, right? This is, I was talking to Sarah about like a lot of our dreams, right, have been put to the side for something pretty, pretty plain and simple, but that provides a good life for us. But like, I, I just have this feeling, even in this room, there are so many people fishing right now, and you're gonna fish the rest of your life, and you're gonna be okay with that ordinary because it's providing something for you, some kind of structure is in place that's already there, right? Like the religious system, it's a structure, it's helpful, I'm with my family, I've got a net, I can make money doing this. While Jesus is saying, there's a bigger dream. There's a bigger dream, right? What if I tell you to walk away from all of it? The Jesus we meet in this part of this passage is telling people to walk away from everything, Not because they're idiots, but because there's a better home. And some of the people here decide, I'm not going to walk away from stuff because my home is better. And they don't even know that they're wrong. And that is like 90% of our Christian culture. Him saying, you don't get it. I'm offering you so much more. I'm offering you such good things that it will make sense in your heart and mind to leave your family That doesn't even register with us. That it will make sense to leave a good paying job. I'm offering you that. And so I I feel a lot of, I just, these guys that get up and follow, it's not that easy. Like, come make you fishers of men. We know the stories. We're like, let's go fish for men. We're with Jesus. They still don't know that he's going to, these, they don't even have any idea what he's going to do. They're just like, this guy's great. We're going to follow. My heart's leaping. He's going to eventually die in front of them. Like they they don't know. They don't know. We don't know. But we do have what they had. We have a messenger sent to us to prepare the way for Jesus. We have a messenger sent every day, I believe, just knocking. Like, And we can always choose. I will follow you or I will arrest you. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? We have the power to arrest. And I always struggled with this passage with John because I'm like, God, you can do anything. You can literally do anything. You could create a double world, and there can be a double me in this other double world. And I got like a double wife, like Sarah. Well, that he can do anything. (laughs) Could you not help the dude that prepared the way for you to not get killed? Could you not do that? Like people are like, Jesus, you. This is where I struggle too with the way we pray. Like, of course, God wants everybody healed, right? Of course, God wants everybody freed. Why in the heck did he not let John the Baptist live? Dude was doing, like, good stuff. He was the only guy doing stuff. He was the only prophet, only guy willing to risk his neck, eating stuff that none of us would eat. You could have at least helped him, right? Like, you could have gotten in there and been like, even, somebody even brought him news in one of the Gospels. John, John's in prison, and there's no response, right? Like, like the times we pray and we're like, I'm not hearing nothing. Nathan, I'm not hearing anything. And Jesus is like, No, I heard everything. I really heard everything that you said, but my ways are not your ways. And, and the, if I just put it in your court, like, you'd be the king of everything. All right, you'd have the best wardrobe, all of it. You'd be great. Like, right? you would never walk away from anything good for something better, because, and if, especially if the better looks like something worse. Right? Ah! <laughs> That's gospel talk. That's gospel, right? Real gospel. Is when everybody is on an even playing field, and this person's serving this person, and this person's not supposed to serve me because I'm gonna outserve them. And real gospel looks like dying, right? Like I came to give life and give it more abundantly, and the way that I will do that is death. That's why you got to have him daily, right? That's such a good point I wanted to get into right there, and I don't know where it went. Oh, this is this is why I love this part about John. So John is killed. And it's just like the messenger in our life. Like, John is killed. Jesus is still coming. Right? What what we can do to how God wants to bring, it's not going to stop what he's doing, right? He'll even let us, like when the Holy Spirit's speaking to us, the messenger, he will let us kill the voice. He won't be the demanding, like, you will. He'll let us, right? And he'll still come. And here specifically, he still comes to these people. You see the Roman centurion, like, from that camp. Start the conversation with Jesus and become whole. He still comes, even though this society killed his messenger. He's still still available. So I love this for me. He finds a simple people already at it, asked them to dream again. For the disciples, it wasn't knowledge. It wasn't John the Baptist's knowledge anymore. It was now they've seen him. And want him. So person who it all intellectually has to add up today. The way that he starts his ministry in the world is by tapping into 12 men's hearts. The content at that point was not even there. So if it all has to add up all the time, it's not going to add up. If you can let yourself see Jesus. And he has even, and I'm not, I'm not an emotionalist. I don't want to elicit things to happen that don't need to happen. But we have emotional, emotionals. Oh, God. We have emotions. You're messing with my emotionals. We, the whole body, right, like all of our body is, is at his disposal. Don't just turn off if something leaps in your heart because it might be too good. Like if he comes to alive in you that way, that's how he came alive to these guys. That's why they didn't get up like, Dad, I gotta go. This Jesus guy's asking me to follow him. He's gonna make me fish for men instead of real fish. Ah, oh, bye, Dad. I love you. There's your hired men. They're good. No, like that's not the story. Like they're like, yeah, yeah. Jesus is asking me to follow. I'm going, bye, Dad. Like, and Dad's like, all righty, bye, <laughs> son. Probably not what he was doing. He's probably like Christian finger. Bye, son. <laughs> I did not flick anyone off, guys. That is the. This is the. That's the whole different finger. But, in a Jesus interaction, people are willing to walk away from things that probably don't want them to walk away, right? that's so big only because they know they find a better home in it I just see I just see them walking together like these these guys like oh, like we're, we're following Jesus like we're they're like nothing and Jesus like stop and they're like he's like come on and they keep walking and they gather some more dudes and like just imagine they start walking together and they're like who's this guy this guy's a fisherman what the heck is he doing here why is he here And they start to notice each other. They probably start to evaluate each other. And they're like, I'm probably better than that guy. (laughs) Definitely better than that guy. And then there's the one they lock into. They're like, we're probably similar. So that's going to be my competition. But they're just like following Jesus and like never getting it right. Ever. But they're still just following him. And they're willing to walk away from all of this stuff. And they're not mad about it. I was talking to Sarah. The only time they go back to those things and they do go back is after Jesus is killed and they don't know why. So they revert back to the old dream, the non-dream, the essentials to life that can get you by, only when they think, oh, well, this guy's his run's over. I guess it didn't work, right? So they revert back to those old dreams and they're like, oh, I guess I'll do this. And then Jesus rises from the dead, like we've all heard, and they go nuts, Ministry is shooting across the globe, and people are willing to die for it. There's nobody building a ministry to have a bus and their name on the side of it. They're just like, I'm going to be as selfless as possible, and I'm interested in this message that's about other people, and it's about selfless, and it's about serving, and the message spreads everywhere, right? But it spreads to the people who get excited When he asked if they would follow. But he's still there for the people who wanna arrest him. So, both of these camps, like, I wanna arrest. There's a lot of us who look like we're following Jesus who arrest Jesus daily. I mean, me just being honest, there's more arrest in me than follow. I mean, that's just the truth. But when the people, see, see, God's called to all of them, and God will use the people who will follow him to go to the people who want to arrest him, and none of them are the enemy. That's what's crazy. But the ones that follow, and follow selflessly, and are willing to have that interaction and say, all right, I'm willing. Like, whatever your John Wimber's quote, like why we planted the church. I will walk away from whatever you ask me to walk away from. Whatever. Job, money, cars, all of it. Like, i those people who are willing to do that, explosions happen because of it. Explosions happen because of it. He wants to answer that. He wants to serve through that. He doesn't want you to be the next Jesus. He's looking for people who will carry the message and be a John the Baptist and say, Jesus, Jesus, and we might die in the process. Whether it's just like our, who we are, somebody might attack our character. Somebody might say, you're an idiot. When we planted the church, we had people close to us saying, you're not doing a smart thing. Absorb a church that's bigger so that you can get paid. And we're like, no, no. We know what we've heard. And it means that we're going to look the opposite of the American dream. And we're, we were pumped, like pumped selling stuff, right? Like thrift store shopping, loving it. And when you start to follow Jesus that way, he always follows through. And so today, I just want to have a prayer interaction. I'm going, to keep it, I'm going to keep it small today. This is very important. And I don't want you to feel condemnation. I don't want you to feel like he's angry at you. I never have a picture in my heart of angry Jesus unless he's looking at systems that are harming people. And he's always angry to me in those. If somebody's being unjustly treated, I just think Jesus is right there on the front foreline because he's always taking, taking the, the benefit of the person being hurt, persecuted, the other, the sufferer, the, the orphan, the widow. He's always right there, right? And I think he's angry at the systems. But when I imagine him approaching me, he knows how to do it in such, such grace that, that it makes me leap a little bit. It makes me think. So, so when I ask you this question, answer it honestly in your heart. With your eyes closed right now, Jesus walks up to you, let him walk up to you too, like Sarah did some imaginative prayer. I would even say lock this picture in your head. And he just simply says, will you follow me? Now, notice the response in your heart. Are you afraid or did you get excited? Don't run from either. Don't pretend like either's not happening. I think if people in this room are really honest, I think a lot of us are almost instantly fearful of what we might have to give up. But then we don't have to respond. By arresting him. We can. Put our hand in his. And trust. And before he would even ask you to do that. He would need you to see what the disciples saw. Something in him that says. Yes and amen. All your promises are true. That in Christ alone. He is the source. He is the home. He is the home worth giving up for a better home. Bill, if you could pull up John 16. I'm going to read this to you really quickly. Prayer teams, could you guys go ahead and come up? We'll have two prayer teams on the side, and then you guys can hang out there until right at the end. We'll have couples prayer in the center. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where you're going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I have said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, Holy Spirit, you are our John the Baptist that comes to prepare the way for Jesus to be the center of our hearts and the better home. the one that's a movable home that's not fixed to any location but that's fixed to a kingdom through a human that is also God, Jesus, who is available at all times and always near and who actually lives within us. So clarify in us now, Jesus, how you would speak to each of us. Clarify in us if there is a system that we have built that is not inviting you, it's not that we're terrible people, it's that we thought we had a better way and we're humans and we really just don't know. Help us to then repent of those things, which means to have a change of heart so that we can realign and follow you. And there's no point where we stop following you or we get unaligned. So today, Father, let your Let what it's like to walk into a home and smell a good candle and some cookies burning and knowing your home entice us into your presence, God. Let your voice be true and let us fall in love with you today. Speak Holy Spirit to our hearts. If you guys would stand to your feet. As we're in worship, just to be honest with you, for me, I always struggle with feeling like I'm keeping you guys here too long. I I know some of you are gonna be like, gonna tell me why afterwards I don't need to do that. It's just me, I do. I'm always like, oh, they're gonna be. But I knew in worship I was supposed to challenge you to sit in his presence right now. Some of you already have plans, you feel like you gotta get to, you really don't. I mean, it's gonna, lunch is gonna happen. You're not gonna not eat, right? We're not in like the desert in Africa. So if, if this space is calling you right now to spend time with your Father, I would recommend doing that. I would recommend being in his presence and seeing what he would say to you. So Father, I just pray for the grace and peace to not feel hurried, God. Again, hurry is an act of violence on peace. We pray that we would walk in peace today. And even right now, what every person needs in this room, I pray that you would give. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.